0: Yo what up everybody? How we doing? This is the Spark Show DFS on Twitter, Sparky Lee and the Nature Boy Rick Flair 36 on Reddit. Um it has been a long time since the last podcast, but we're going to get back into it here with the Players Championship. I think the Open Championship was the last one that I did last year. And we have March Madness coming up around the corner. So I might dabble with that as well. Um, Players' Championship 2022. Let's hop right into it. And the first thing, if you go to my cheat sheet and look at the stats, the course history, 2021, the Players' Championship is actually 2021. But COVID stopped the Players' Championship um, after the first round, were they in the middle of the first round or they just finished the first round? So 2020 vanished. There's no results. There's no rankings. There's no stats for that. The, when it says 2020 in my spreadsheets, it's actually referring to 2019 at the Players' Championship. And 2019 is referring to 2018 of the Players' Championship. So 2020 doesn't exist and everything moves up a year. But I still have it's. – it'll be the last five years, of course, history, but it's the last five years played um, or tournaments finished here, I guess. So when you're looking at the stats, that's something you might want to be aware of. We're playing at same place every year, TPC Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Par 72, 7,256 yards. I think that's roughly 60, 70 more yards than it's played the last couple of years. So I think they've just slowly been moving tee boxes back little by little as players have been hitting it further and further. Pete Dye design. Um, Bermuda greens, and it used to be held in May when it was a little bit warmer, so now it's a little cooler this time of year. So the Bermuda is overseeded with poa and some bent grass for the colder conditions. Bermuda rough. You're not going to see it nearly as bad as it was last week at the Arnold Palmer. Um, The greens and bunkers were rebuilt in 2016, which is quite a while back. Usually it takes... Uh two or three years I want to say until they soften up a little bit so that's not a problem anymore at this point the greens are a little bit smaller and they are very fast um, it's not the hardest course on tour but it can be challenging there's a lot of water there's 88 bunkers if it gets windy then that water really comes into play and you can see some bad scores um most of the holes have water. I think maybe 17 out of the 18 holes have water. And like I said, wind can make it very hard. If you're a little sporadic throughout this week, it's going to be very hard to score here. It looks like we're going to see some rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Saturday, it actually might get really windy. So that could be something to to monitor. Um, and I'll I'll probably touch on that later. But And it's supposed to cool off a little bit. So you're going to see um, some wet conditions. And then th- I think in the weekend it's going to get a little bit cooler. But as the days progress here, the forecast might change a little bit. Uh, uh, no two consecutive holes play in the same direction. So it's just a lot of dog legs mixing in uh, left and right. And it's it's just kind of all over the place. There's not... There's not one style of golfer that a righty that plays a fade that gets a bunch of dog leg rights in a row, so it's it, it kind of it, it keeps you honest in that way. Um, it's more of a tree-lined course than you would normally see in Florida. Uh, fairways are kind of tight, a little bit of undulation, and then this has one of the most famous holes in all of golf is the Island Green on 17 key stats pretty basic um the conditions have played a little bit softer with less roll since they've moved it in 2019 into march uh, so everybody's been using driver a little bit more it looks like so strokes gained off the t driving distance plays a little bit more of a factor than you would normally see here Um, green and regulation is another stat you're going to want to look at proximity because the greens are smaller and that also brings in strokes gained around the green because the greens are smaller you're going to be missing greens a little bit so guys that have good touch around the greens are going to be better off the field that we have this week is a 144 man field There is Harris English, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and Steve Stricker who all qualified but are not playing. Bryson was going to make his return last week at the Arnold Palmer, I believe, from his wrist injury, but he couldn't play. And then this week he withdrew, I think, late on Sunday. So Bryson is not in it again. And then Kevin Na is another guy that qualified, but he is not in it because he is expecting his third child sometime this weekend, I guess. And then a last-minute qualifier, which is awesome. Uh, Ryan Brem won the Puerto Rico Open uh, last week. And he this was his last start on the PGA Tour. A lot of people have probably seen the articles and stuff and all the good coverage because it, it is a great story. Um, it was going to be his last start. I think he was he must have been coming back from injury because um, he had a medical exemption. And he had some Corn Fairy Tour um, tournaments lined up that he was going to go play. But he won the Puerto Rico Open. He is now eligible to play on tour through 2024, I believe. And he will be in the tournament this week. And he also went to the same high school I went to. I graduated with his younger sister. So I've been following his career pretty closely, and this is a life-changing win for him, so that's pretty cool. I have two bets that I've looked at so far to play um, first-round three ball, Alex Noren versus Peter Malnati. Um, Anirban Lahiri is in that threesome as well, but I'm taking Alex Noren at plus 100 for that. I just feel like that's great value. And then... Will Zalatoris, tourney head-to-head versus Shane Lowry, and Shane Lowry finished eighth here last year. Will Zalatoris is young, um, so I think the mindset might be that Shane Lowry has won a major. He's you know he's more of a big game hunter than Will, so that's why Will is a slight underdog at plus one hundred in the tournament. Well, he's been playing great golf right now, and Shane Lowry I feel like has a worse floor. So this is a good spot for Will Zalatoris, at least in my eyes anyways. But those are the first two bets I've locked in so far, and I will probably, um, in the course of this podcast, pick out a few more bets that I'm going to roll with and then put that on my article, which I just posted a few minutes ago. Now I'm just going to briefly kind of run through the field. Usually when I do these, I have kind of pre-selected... you know, a bunch of picks and DFS plays and whatnot. But I, I'm i a little rusty right now. And hand up, I haven't watched a crazy amount of golf. I usually watch more golf than this at this point in the year. But I've just expanded so much of my uh, betting focus on NHL and more involved with college basketball. Um, than I have been in years past, so it's just been harder to stay up to date on golf. So I'm a little rusty this one, and I'm just going to make this one as quick as possible, and I'm going to run through, maybe highlight some of my picks and just some of my thoughts as I run through here. Um, First, I think Patrick Cantlay is my play this week. I feel like he's always a popular play with me, but for whatever reason, I feel like he's being somewhat disrespected this week. And I think it's because he missed two cuts here back to back pretty bad last year. And then two years ago, because COVID obviously skipped or three years ago. So COVID skipped the year in between. But so the last two times he's played here, he missed the cut, but both times before that top 25s. So he, out of my top Let's see, top ten guys in in the DraftKings pricing. He's the only one that pops up with good good value for his for his odds to win at twenty to one. Which I'm not in love with that, but um, twenty to one, I might touch that line. But he's probably going to be in most of my DFS lineups. In twenty eight to one first round leader, he is. As a percentage over the course of the last year, he is second only behind Rory in percentage of um, of his starts where he's been the first round leader tied for the first round lead. And he's, um, as far as the odds go, Cantlay is... Let's see. One, two, three, four. He's tied for the fifth in odds for first round lead, and in my eyes, he's the second or third best when it comes to that. So I think I'm I'm probably I'm definitely gonna go Cantlay first round leader at twenty to one. Might even do Cantlay to win or first round leader twenty eight to one. Cantlay to win. 20-1 20-1 to 1. so that's the first thing that I, I kind of see he's getting disrespected because of the back to back missed cuts here but um, two of his, his last three starts on tour were top five finishes so I'm not worried about his recent form at all, at all or worried about him um, not being able to play well here because he has back to back top 25s here in 2017 2018 so he can't play well here, but he hasn't played well since they moved it to March. So maybe that's something that they're thinking about. But I don't care. Um, Cameron Smith seems to be disrespected a little bit. I have good value for him for every bet from win to top five, top ten, top twenty, top forty, first round leader. Um, he hasn't. He he's coming off a top twenty here last year. He hasn't played a whole lot lately. He was 33rd at the Genesis. Um, before that, he, I mean, that's the only time he's played in the last six weeks. Um, but before that, he had a miscut cut at the Sony, and then a win at the Century Tournament of Champions, and then a fourth place at the RSM. So, I mean, he has that one miscut mixed in there. And then he hasn't played for a while. And then the Genesis 33rd. Miscut 2017 here. Miscut 2018 here. 56th, 2019. And then 17th last year at the Players. So he's getting better at the Players. He's had a great year. Over the course of his last 13 tournaments, he's averaged 26th. Point two place um, in terms of where he's finished at. So t- basically 26th place is where he's averaging for his last 13 starts. So I feel like Cameron Smith is being a little bit disrespected at this spot as well. Um, and then we go beneath that. Scotty Scheffler, Vegas loves him. And, I mean, he's won two of his last three starts, so why not? Jordan Spieth. Uh, Vegas does not like him here. He has not played well at the Players' Championship, at least in his last five attempts. I haven't. I can't look back any further than that, but he is fairly young, so it's not like he's got five years before that where he's been playing on tour, so um, he's struggled here. Jordan Spieth might be a good play for um, DFS tournament plays. It looks like his ownership is going to be about 8%. And that's pretty much as low as anybody's going to get in these top 15 golfers. So Spieth is probably a good tournament play. Um, Daniel Berger looks like he's going to be highly owned. Morikawa and Justin Thomas going to be highly owned. Patrick Cantlay is going to be pretty highly owned. Hideki Matsuyama is going to be pretty highly owned. Um but in here there's all sorts of guys that are going to be 10 to 15 15 to 20% ownership it looks like um so it's all about diversifying the rest of your lineup if you're going to dabble with these guys so I'm going to take Cantley and he looks like he's 16 17% ownership but I'm just going to have to get spicy with the rest of my lineups To make sure that I'm not highly duplicated here. Will Zalatoris, Vegas loves him. Um, I don't see any value on his win. Top 5, top 10, top 20 for my odds anyways. But my odds, I like mine. Like my projections are pretty solid. But golf is probably, for anybody who knows the sport, plays the sport, golf is probably the hardest sport to predict because week in, week out, you make one little tweak to your game, you have one extra swing thought, and then everything can crumble from there. So it's it's such a game of, of millimeters, and it's you versus you. So it's it's just really hard to gauge it. But still I you know my projections are a good baseline to kind of find value. But this is probably golf is a good sport to look at the intangibles and you know go to the rumor mill. This guy plays at this course a lot. This guy said he's been on the range and he feels really good about his game. That sort of stuff probably means more in golf, but it's still good to look at a bunch of projections and stats as well and kind of incorporate the two. It's like UFC in that way where, you know, a fighter could have a bad camp. He's coming off an injury. There's so many. It's it's him versus his opponent, but it's so much of him um Versus himself in the long run, uh, to be able to project his lines or her, her lines. I guess I'm disrespecting women's fighters, but at the golf and UFC are very, very hard to to create formulas and algorithms for. But that said, Will Zalatoris, Vegas loves him, but he's still plus a hundred against Shane Lowry. So bang, that's a check in my box for taking Will Willie Z at plus 100 against Shane Lowry. Um Daniel Berger I see some value here. Like he's he's going to be pretty highly owned in DFS, if not the highest owned guy from the looks of it so far. His last tournament was a 4th place at the Honda just 2 weeks ago. He's coming off a 10th place last year at the Players Championship. And then three three tournaments in a row at the players, all outside of the top fifty, and then a top ten the year before that. So sandwiched him. But he did have kind of a rough, rough stretch on tour the last few years, and then really dialed it in the last year. So people love him. I you know, cash lineups in DFS, he's probably a good play. Tournaments, it might be tougher with his ownership level there, but it looks like there's value for him. If you want to have him top five or top ten. Top five, he's eight to one. Top ten, he's four to one. I think those are pretty good odds for the way for like how well he's been playing the last year, recent history, and he has two top tens here in the last five attempts. So there's there's definitely betting value there. Louis Oostoisen. Ust- I hate saying his last name. Louis O. You know, he's his lower ownership, 8%. He could be a good tournament play. He's coming off of two back to back top 30 finishes 30th at the Honda, 14th at the Waste Management. He finished second here at the Players in 2017, but he's always one of those guys that's. Um, he could withdraw at any given moment, so I think that that might be why his ownership is down, but vegas doesn't like him as well as d f s players so that has me feeling a little bit weird, but I also don't hate you know a top ten or a top twenty from him at four and a half to one to top ten two to one to top twenty or like a tournament play on d f s um let's see. Vegas loves Joaquin Neiman. Um, he had a win at the Genesis two starts ago. His only time playing here was last year, and it was twenty ninth. I can see why they love him. His ownership's at twelve percent. He could probably be a solid DFS play, Joaquin Neiman at uh, Joaquin Neiman at eighty four hundred on DraftKings, ninety eight hundred on FanDuel. Uh, that's a Right near your average price tags, so I could see using a lot of Joaquin because his ownership isn't going to be north of 15%. It looks like, and Vegas loves him. Um, Adam Scott, Vegas loves him, uh, for great reason, too. Last five times here, he's finished 12th or better four times. His last three tournaments on tour, 38th was his worst finish and his best was 4th at the Genesis. So he's playing pretty good golf right now. He's played really well here. Vegas loves him. So I don't really like um betting on him too much unless you get a really good feeling. His ownership looks like 15% on DraftKings. He just seems like he's, in. this is my heart talking, I love betting Adam Scott, so maybe I'm I'm wrong about this, but it it just feels like he's in a letdown spot right now. So I think I might fade Adam Scott because I feel like that could be a guy that creeps up towards 20% ownership, and there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of value there with his odds. If I would do anything here, I'd just bite the bullet and bet him to win it all. Uh, But I don't think I'm going to touch him. Um, Shane Lowry, Vegas likes him. Eighth place finished last year here. I think he was in contention to win it too on Sunday. He might have been going into Sunday with the lead or top two or three, if I remember correctly. Um But Vegas really loves him. His last tournament was second at the Honda. He's an Irishman, but apparently he loves playing in Florida from the looks of it, which is pretty bananas. Uh, But he has two really bad missed cuts here in 2019, 2017. But he has the top 10 last year, top 20 in 2016. So that's why I feel like he's Shane Lowry. He's either top 20 or he's missing the cut. So that's why I like... Um, that's another reason why I like Will Zalatoris at plus 100. I just feel like, uh, Will Zalatoris is just slightly better odds to make the cut. If Shane Lowry makes the cut, he might beat him, might probably beat him, but he's got a better chance to miss the cut. So that's why I'm rolling with that one. Um, could be wrong, but I do like betting Shane Lowry to win every once in a while because that's a guy that just does win like once or twice a year. Vegas is disrespecting Webb Simpson at 80-1, first-round leader 70-1. to Webb Simpson in his last 15 events over the course of the last year, zero top fives, so I think this is where this is coming from. We haven't seen him play in a while. I'm going to check when's his last tournament. Where are you at, Webb? His last tournament was... Where are we at? 61st place at the Sony. And then 17th place before that at the Hero World Challenge RSM. The week before that, he was 8th. So we haven't seen him since before, wait, no, since early January, he hasn't played, taken a lot of time off. So maybe that's why he's getting disrespected. The zero top five finishes, he might be getting disrespected. But this is a guy that went wire to wire and won the tournament in 2018. And he won the tournament by four strokes. So Webb Simpson... 80 to 1 to win it. This is all on DraftKings is where I get these numbers from, but 80 to 1 to win it, 70 to 1 first round leader. Um I'm probably going to dabble with both of those numbers. His last four times um he missed the cut last year at TPC Sawgrass and then uh the three years or the three tournaments before that, 16th place. Won it, 16th place. So Webb Simpson, I feel like, is a great bet here. What's his ownership projection looking like? 7%. He's getting disrespected. I'm on Webb. Cantley and Webb are for sure in my lineups here. Um, That's a tournament winner right there. I can already smell it. Max Homa. Vegas loves him. Three top 20s in a row on tour. Missed the cut here last year. I do like Max. Um, He's just not a guy I'm going to take a shot on in a a big tournament. Unless I really feel something for him here. 10% ownership on DraftKings, so it's a little higher than the average in this range, but nothing crazy. He's probably not a bad DFS play, especially tournament stuff. Um, But I just probably won't dabble in there. Um, Let's go a little quicker through here. I'm going to drop down. Skip that whole next range. There's guys you can play. Jason Day, Vegas likes him. Tommy Fleetwood, Vegas likes him. Um, Jason Day is playing pretty good golf. We haven't seen him since California, though. But he's won here in 2016. Two top 10s since then at the Players' Championship. Jason Day, probably a decent tournament play. His ownership doesn't look... It's 6%. You know what, 7,500 on DraftKings. Um, Not a bad tournament play, but he can withdraw at any given moment. 80-1 first-round leader. Probably not a bad number there for Jason Day. Um, But this is probably... My bite the bullet play of the week, Patrick Reed. I don't, I might dabble a little bit in tournament plays, but I am taking him to win it all at 250 to 1, which is, it just seems crazy to me. He's great around the greens. When he gets hot, he gets hot, and he seems to kind of come out of nowhere. He hasn't lit the world on fire in his last. Or, or at playing in this tournament, but last year he was 22nd. The tournament before that at the Players, he was 47th, 41st, 22nd in 2017. So five like good to mediocre, or four good to mediocre um, starts here in a row. So that's at least um, something to hang your hat on, but three missed cuts in a row for him. I think that's why he's being disrespected here but I can understand disrespecting him from like a daily fantasy sports perspective and for like top 10 bat, top 20, if he's missed three cuts in a row, you know, he's it's going to be tough for him to crack that top 10, top 20. But there's something about guys that can just win on tour when it clicks, it clicks and he's one of those guys that can win on tour. Patrick Reed 250 to 1. Coming off of three missed cuts, you know, doesn't phase me when I'm betting a betting a winner um, versus betting a top ten finish. So 251, Patrick Reed. It's disgusting, but I'm gonna do it. Um let's see, Ian Poulter, Vegas loves him here. Um he's just three percent ownership. God, I think I'm going to go Ian Poulter on a lot of my DraftKings lineups too. Um, he's got he finished 2nd here in 2017, 11th here in 2018. His last two tournaments, 42nd and 30th. That's I feel like Ian Poulter has just been 30th to 40th place if you look at his last tournaments in the last 2 years, nobody percentage-wise is going to beat him at finishing 30th through 40th, so he just seems like a good, like, if his ownership's low, throw him into tournament plays too, but cash plays, he's just going to make the cut and just get you some points, and not many other people are going to grab him, so he's kind of a good contrarian play that's safe, so I think I'm going to run with Poulter here in Vegas, seems to agree with me, but for whatever reason, DFS people, he's just not a sexy play, so they're doesn't he doesn't seem to be too popular um now we're kind of getting into the weeds here i just want to make a i might just skim through these last guys real quick cameron young i gotta do my research on this kid i i don't even i couldn't pick him out of a lineup right now like i said i haven't watched a whole lot of golf this year cameron young i do not know who he is um 13th place last week. Last tournament before that, he's played 4 weeks in a row. So the Honda before last week, 16th place. The Genesis, 2nd place. The Waste Management, 26th place. He wasn't at Pebble Beach, but the week before that at the Farmers Insurance, he was 20th. 5 great starts in a row. He's 7200 on DraftKings. And I was looking at first-round leader stuff. I, I have a, an, extra, uh, an extra sheet where I track first-round leader stuff a little bit more closely. And I give on my cheat sheet just kind of um, a little vague overview of it and stuff. But I really go into depth when I'm doing my first-round leader bets. And I track, uh, you know, how many times throughout the course of a year at this tournament whatever that you've finished as the first round leader tied for first round lead that you've been one stroke back or one spot back from the first round leader. And then two strokes or two spots, three strokes, four, four strokes or beyond that. So a lot of it is most guys don't finish within four strokes or four spots of the first round lead. This guy has done it in five or six straight tournaments. So I really have my eye on Cameron Young here. Um, his ownership seems to be eleven percent, which is about as high as you're gonna see from these lower price guys. So DFS people are on him. Vegas doesn't appear to be on him right now at this point. So one hundred and thirty to one to win it. I don't know if I have the stomach for that at the players, but the way he's been playing, top five twenty to one uh, might be a good play. Top twenty four to one odds. Um first round leader I'm not sure what his number is because he doesn't seem to have good value so at least Vegas is kind of onto that with him but Cameron Young seems to be a guy to keep your eye on and I'm I'm going to actually pay attention this week I've I've paid attention a little bit the last few weeks in the Century Tournament of Champions and stuff but it's just hard to watch golf for 4 days when you know I'm watching NBA and I'm watching hockey and I'm watching college basketball um, but this week I'm going to pay close attention to this tournament and I'm really going to keep my eye on this kid because I have no idea who he is like I said I can't pick him up pick him out of a lineup but he seems to be doing something special right now so that is one dude to watch right underneath him is Kevin Nah who I said earlier he's not playing in this tournament but he has WD twice in his last 5 starts here which is funny that's a classic Kevin Nah thing to do um so it, Kevin Knott and Bryson are on my sheet. I think Phil Mickelson might even be on the sheet too. But like I said in my in my article and I said in the beginning of this podcast, all those guys are out of it. Um, so don't go betting on them or pick them. Don't pick them in DFS because um, if you bet on them, you're going to get your money back. If you pick them in DFS, you're going to be screwed. So Lee Westwood, Uh, where did I just see him? I scroll past him finished second here last year Vegas likes him um very rocky lately not sure I love him, but a good tournament play I'd say he's only three percent owned it looks like two to three percent owned this week um Taylor gooch good target golfer um finished top ten last week at the Arnold Palmer finished fifth here last year I think he's i don't I gotta have to look into this but i i Something in my mind tells me he's either from Florida or he just plays really well on these Florida courses. Um, And you have to be accurate here. I feel like if Phil Mickelson doesn't necessarily love a lot of these Florida courses, I feel like there's a mental thing sometimes. And if you're not accurate off the tee, I think Spieth might have trouble with Florida courses. There's a lot of water. If you're inaccurate, if you're not confident in certain shots it'll it'll exacerbate that a little bit. So I feel like um there's certain guys that play well on these risky. Damn it. The Coyotes just scored again. It's 6-1. They're beating my wings. Um but Taylor Gooch, like I was saying, some guys play well, some guys don't on certain tracks. A lot of it's physical, a lot of it is mental. Um I just like Taylor Gooch for whatever reason. I feel like he's a he's a pretty good iron player, but ten eleven percent ownership in d f s so it looks like he's a pretty popular play um first round leader sixty five to one it seems to be good value win it sixty five to one seems to be good value, but I think vegas has the same idea that I do i feel like his best number here would be a top ten finish. And that's not in Vegas knows that too because it's not popping up on my sheet as good odds. So top twenty might be the play with Taylor Gooch at two and a half to one. Um, but it just seems like I'm not gonna bet him to win. I might take him first round leader, but sixty five to one. I would like to see him closer to a hundred to one before I would pull the trigger on that, especially in a big tournament like this. But God, coming off the top five last year and the top. He finished 7th last week. So I feel like... I don't know. That's a tough one. If you if you have the stomach for it, Gooch might be a good play or a good bet anyways. Ryan Palmer, very up and down. Missed three cuts in a row, it looks like. He finished 70th at, 70th at the Honda and then missed two cuts before that. So I'd say he's about due. Ryan Palmer top 20 last year missed the cut before that top 25 the year before that missed the cut the year before that top 25 the year before that so Ryan Palmer is just the uh prototypical roller coaster golfer where he's going to miss the cut and finish 120th and then he's going to swing back and get a top 5 the next week so Ryan Palmer is always a a fun play for um, tournament plays on dFs anyways he looks like he's one percent owned so he i think ryan Palmer is probably going to be a tournament look for me top five he's fifty to one I kind of like that um but I don't know last year he hasn't been too great last six years he has been pretty solid so I could see ryan Palmer you know, kind of continuing this funk for a little bit, but eventually I feel like he's going to break out of it and have at least one more good stretch throughout his career where he's where he's getting a couple wins. Um, now we're getting way into the weeds here. Like I said, I didn't do picks beforehand. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of Vegas betting odds that I would roll with down here that are too deep. Um... But there are a lot of guys down here. Keegan Bradley, um, three finishes here in a row of 30th or better. A top 10 in 2018. He's coming off an 11th place finish last year. Um, First round leader, 90-1. to Probably not a bad bet for Keegan. Probably not a bad tournament play. Um, Brian Harmon, two top 10s here in a row. Uh, Let's see... Harold Varner III finished top ten here four years ago, but missed a couple cuts in a row. Johnny Vegas finished third here in 2019. Matt Kuchar, Vegas likes him. He hasn't been good in the last, like, frickin' two years. But he has played well here before. I, I wouldn't pull the trigger on him just yet, but Matt Kucher is probably got to keep an eye on for him to make a little bit of a resurgence. Um, but I don't love, I I don't, man, there are some names down here, though. Bubba Watson, I, I don't think I'd take him at the players necessarily. He seems like another one of those guys, Phil, Bubba, Speeth. Just the, their game, their mental sp- whatever just doesn't seem to fit. This course, so I probably wouldn't pull the trigger on him Matthew Wolf is down here at sixty eight hundred um maybe a tournament look, but that's kind of a risky one same thing with malinari's down here could be a tournament look um he's had a rough goal of it, but he's starting to make a comeback um, but yeah there's not a lot. value that I'm seeing down at the bottom. So Vegas must like deep odds, guys, this week. I mean, every once in a while, Kyle Stanley finished top five here. Jimmy Walker, top five here. But Jimmy Walker back in that day was a little bit more of a, you know, higher echelon golfer than he is right now. Snedeker, top five here before. Charles Schwartzel, top five here before. Brennan Steele top five here before Lucas Glover, or no? Brennan Steele Lucas Glover finished sixth here before in the last few years. So there are guys that are deeper odds that you can find in the six thousands, the low seven thousands that could crack the top ten. Um, but I don't see a whole lot of uh, value down here. But Vegas disagrees with me, so I would do some more research to finish out on, on or to figure that out on your own. Last thing I'm going to do, a uh, little unstructured format here this time around, but I am rusty, and I'm really kind of leaning towards doing this for March Madness as well, so I need to get the cobwebs off. Last thing I'm going to do here, though, um, well, I'm going to take some of those picks that I I went through, and I'm going to make those bets, probably put them on my article and then, um, yeah, update that. But th- this is the last thing I'm going to do. Is go through a little bit of the course history and finishes here, and then probably just give a little bit of tidbits, some advice on, um, you know, betting live betting the tournament and stuff like that. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, um, it's a t- it's a little bit of a tougher course. You your winning score. Last year was 14 under, um, 16 under before that, 18 under before that, 10 under, and 15 under. So you're probably going to see the, in the conditions that we're going to get, I would assume we're going to see something around 15, 16 under that wins it this week. Uh, but you never know because guys do tend to win it here by you know, three or four strokes sometimes. But Justin Thomas, let's see. He started with a 71 last year. He shot one under first round, one under the second round. So Justin Thomas is two under going into the weekend, shoots 12 under on the weekend to win the tournament. So this tournament, I would say there is a lot of live leader or live winner bets um value because there's it's um uh, you guys can come out of nowhere when you're looking at people that finished in the top ten, like year in and year out uh half of them, I would say, except for two thousand and eighteen on average. Like half of the golfers that finish in the top ten aren't even within um four strokes of the lead to start the tournament so and they'll you'll shoot guys will shoot even par or one over the first round and then end up in the top ten so it's not like um it's not like to to win this tournament you have to really get out to an early lead. Guys come out of nowhere. Um, So Justin Thomas is a good example of that. Two under going into the weekend. Shot 12 under on the weekend to win it. Um, The first round leader was Sergio. Shot a 65 in the first round. He finished tied for ninth. But he shot 65 and then he shot even, one under, even. So it's just, it's not an easy course to to get a lead and hold that lead. So there's a lot of up and down going on. So there's value for if you're going to bet live leaders or live um, top 10 bets. Rory is the reverse case of this kind of. Rory shot five under the first day in 2019. Shot seven under the next day. And then he shot two under and two under on Saturday and Sunday. So he got out to a big lead and then just kind of coasted and won by one stroke. Justin Thomas the year after won by one stroke. And then we'll go to 2018. This is Webb Simpson shot 66 the first day. So he shot six under and then he shot nine under and then he shot four under And then he shot one over on the last day and still won by four strokes. So Webb Simpson went wire to wire. You can get out to a a lead here and uh, um, hold it, but it is very tough to do. And you're likely going to see a winner just string together two days, whether it's um, Thursday-Friday or Saturday-Sunday or Friday-Saturday, just two good rounds out of the four and then and then win it like that and you never know when those two rounds are coming so a lot can happen in this tournament and then 2017 Siwoo Kim won it at 10 under and it must have been pretty windy that year or something because this the scores were um 21 guys were under par on the week and that looks like Let's see, last year there was 54 guys under par. In 2017, there was 21. So that's if the wind gets bad really bad on Saturday, like it looks like it might, then that might be a good time to take some random guys on you know Friday that make the cut that are sitting at three under, that have longer odds, but are guys that can shoot really low to To throw them in the mix or guys that play in really bad conditions or play well here that are just three four under while the leader's at you know nine under because Saturday could be a little bit of a shit show and then the last year we'll look at two thousand and sixteen Jason Day shot nine under and then he shot six under. And then he shot one over and one under on Saturday and Sunday. So he shot even on the weekend, and he shot 15 under to start the tournament. Um, so you could see... That would be a, make for kind of a boring tournament, but you could see a guy like a Jason Day or a Webb Simpson kind of wire-to-wire wire win... Um, So I would say, I think my strategy going into this might be, if somebody does fire an 8-under on the first day, and they're, I guess it depends on who it is, and I have some sort of confidence that they can go wire to wire and win it. If they're like a Webb Simpson, Jason Day, those guys are winners on tour. If it's a guy that's a proven winner, an proven winner in big tournaments shoots eight under. It might be a good time after Thursday, to just throw a bet on them if they're you know plus two hundred plus three hundred. I guess it it'll be hard. To, it'll be it'll be all dependent on who's at their heels. But if they if they have a juicy number, hop on it because if they shoot another five under the next day. Tournament could be over at that point, and you'd have a boring weekend. So it might be one of those, um, one of those things where you just hop on that first round leader, if if you trust them, and then ride that into the sunset, or you take those guys that are like one under, two under, three under, if the reach or if the lead seems like it's reachable going into the weekend, because you could shoot twelve under in two days and make a huge huge stretch there so some things to think about i guess while you're betting on the tournament this weekend i think that's all i have for you um good luck like i said march madness i'll probably have a spreadsheet a special i do a spreadsheet for college basketball and i've posted that like every single day this year which has been awesome. I didn't think I would I would hit that many days. But it's basically been like every single day, like after a month and a half into the season. So I have a different one for March Madness, and it's going to be special. It's going to be awesome, and I'll probably do a podcast for it. So thanks for listening. Good luck, everybody. Let's win some money.